Hey there, amazing listeners. Welcome back to another exciting episode of Transform Yourself, the podcast that's all about empowering you to shed those stubborn pounds and embrace your best selves. We are your hosts, Casey and Tyler, and we use the four M's of fitness, mind shift, meal shift, micro habits, and muscle building to create attainable and sustainable approach to weight loss. We've lost a collective 130 pounds. We've kept it off for two years. So whether you're a fitness enthusiast, a beginner, maybe you're just curious about making positive changes in your life, Transform Yourself is your go-to source for inspiration, information, and a good dose of motivation. Today's episode is a continuation of what in the word. There were many words that we broke down in the episode. It was calorie deficit, calorie surplus, maintenance calories, book phase, cut phase, metabolism. We talked about metabolic adaptation, body recomp, macros, reverse diet, rest days. So many common words that you hear on social media. These are words and phrases that are used in the health and fitness industry. And we're kind of breaking down what they mean and what they don't mean because it's so easy to get lost in a lot of noise on social media. And we are just here to clarify things for you. Let's go. So part two, we're going to start with the much debated clean eating. And clean eating is not, it's, what is it not? It's not about washing your broccoli with soap. So that's not clean eating. What it, does clean eating mean to you? Clean eating to me is, yes. I guess, just eating healthy. It's very broad. Yeah, but that's, you can't just say eating healthy. That's not enough. I guess no refined sugar, prepackaged, okay. processed product. How I would interpret it is the the stupid old adage about eating on the outside of the grocery store, eating fruit, vegetables, lean meat. That's so whole clean. foods. Whole foods, yeah, exactly. And non-processed foods. Non-processed. Well, Google would agree with you on that, except for the idea that when I Googled it, because I thought, you know, let's Google this because so many people... People have a different definition of what clean eating is. So I literally put definition of clean eating in the Google search engine and it said it is a fad diet. The first thing it said was it is a fad <laughs> diet based on the belief that the consuming whole foods and avoiding convenience food or processed foods can lead to health benefits. And I agree that it is avoiding processed foods and eating whole foods, but I don't know that I agree that it's a fad. That's so stupid. <laughs> What was the, do you know what the source was I, that Google I that would from? have to go back and look. That's wild that they would say it's a fad diet. Yeah. I, I thought that was really interesting that Google search. Like, I, understand, I understand that it's not a, it's more of a marketing term. It's more of, it's a very loose, it's an idea. It's not something that's really concrete. Well, the opposite of clean eating would be dirty eating. Uh, have you but, done dirty eating? Uh, yeah. The last episode we talked about me door dashing 75 Taco Bell tacos. <laughs> I think that qualifies as dirty eating. Yeah, I agree. Dirty eating is what happens after one too many margaritas. I think dirty eating is what happens after 1 a.m. period, no matter what. <laughs> it's true. That is true. Back to clean eating. The deal is, is everybody does have their own definition of clean eating. My very best friend, her name is Brandy. She is a vegan. You can find her at the Vegan 8. Clean eating to her means no animal products. That's... That sounds, sounds, I love Brandy to death, but that sounds like a death sentence. I know it does. But that's what cleaning and she also doesn't consume oils regularly. So those are parts of her definition of clean eating. I think that something that everyone agrees on, whether you're a vegan, you're a carnivore, whatever, I think we can all agree that clean eating is minimally processed foods. Those yes. are clean foods. I, we can I, also agree that it's foods that are as close to their natural state as possible. So fruits and vegetables. I, I, 
would say, oh, there's not a real definition. I would say that's as close as we're going to get to a real definition of clean eating. On social media, people are very opinionated about what clean eating is and is not. And I ultimately just want our listeners to know that it has to be up to you and what you put in your mouth because you are in charge of that. You get to decide what clean eating means to you based on your own food preferences. But I think we all agree that it's minimally processed and natural state of foods is what we consider clean eating. And that can apply to whatever type of preferences you have. Let me go on a quick little rant real quick about the word toxic. This is not one of the definite, not something we really need to define. The word toxic is thrown around very liberally on social media. I was recently demonized in a video that I made where I was literally trying to teach how to cook frozen salmon in your air fryer. And whoops, I bought farm-raised salmon. Oh my gosh, the amount of haters that came out to tell me it was toxic and I was going to kill my family. I was personally clutching my pearls the entire time. (laughs) Look, I do have a science background. I do agree with the idea that the dose makes the poison. What's the poison? That's just it. So even water is toxic. In in large quantities, water can be toxic. I'm not trying to say that farm-raised salmon is great for you and we should all be eating it. That was not the point of the video. I think the point was, hey, this is an easy alternative. (laughs) That was the entire point. Healthier than eating Domino's. Yes. Or eating a Big Mac. And wild caught, yes. Wild caught is wild caught salmon is better. It is way better. It's also way more expensive. And I'm on a budget. The people spewing the word toxic in my comment sections are also the people that immediately grab a beer or an alcoholic drink after. Which which is funny because alcohol is literally by definition toxic. A toxin. It's a toxin. Okay, rant over. I sidetracked there on the word toxic. Let's move on to the next word, which is superfood. So superfood, what does that mean to you? Has a cape. Yes, superfood comes Su- with Superfood, it sounds like it's something that's probably green, probably not going to taste good, but it's full of antioxidants. <laughs> <laughs> Do, do people still care about antioxidants? People like they do did care. I care about antioxidants. I feel like the 90s was was the big hate. Maybe for it's big, because for big I'm a 90s baby. Maybe that's why I care about them. People still care about antioxidants. Superfoods. Superfoods are not going to save the day on their own. I will tell you the origin. I did look up the origin of the word superfoods, and I found out that it what originated- firm? <laughs> right? It originated from a publication in 1918 during World War One, as a marketing ploy, you are right. Snake oil, okay. As awesome. a marketing ploy when the United States started importing copious amounts of bananas because we had to we had to sell these bananas right they were too many bananas so somebody came up with the term superfoods and coined these bananas as superfoods and they and that that was was how bananas got into the u.s market because i want to say i remember hearing a long time ago that the number one item sold in a walmart was bananas. they're cheap at walmart so the point is is that that was the (laughs) number one selling item in well i'm drawing some conclusions but that it got here from a marketing scam No, a marketing ploy. That's a marketing push. Right? It was. And marketing, hey, marketing discovered that if you put the word superfoods on a product, people are more likely to buy it and they're more likely to spend more money on that product just by simply putting the word superfood on it. And it still works, people. Now we label lots of foods as superfoods. We label berries 
green tea, broccoli, pomegranate. Pomegranate, pomegranate had a day in the sun. It still does. Um, kale. What? Kale is a great so superfood. It's not awful. It's delicious. I love That's because you don't like yourself. I love kale and I love myself, just to be clear. The one thing that all these foods do have in common is their health benefits. So everything that is labeled as a as a superfood, berries, the kale, the broccoli, green tea, all those things, bananas, they have health benefits like antioxidants or vitamins or fiber. So labeling these foods as superfoods, it does imply that they're just going to swoop in and fix your health if you consume just just one. A banana is not going to change your life. Labeling them as superfoods, it's not going to, that banana is not going to swoop in and change your life. It's impossible to fix your health with just one serving of a superfood. You have to consume that food or the superfood consistently over time to get true health benefits. A lot of the superfoods are basically what we just talked about with clean eating, right? Fruits, vegetables, meat. It's all all there. Let's move on to flexible dieting. Flexible dieting to me sounds like I'm... (laughs) It sounds like I want to be lazy, but be healthy. Really? (laughs) Is flexible dieting and if it fits your macros basically the same thing? It is. Okay. Yes. Flexible dieting and if it fits your macros, same thing. I feel like my program is kind of flexible dieting. It really is. Flexible dieting is basically not having any restrictions, not labeling a food as good or bad. And I talk about that constantly with clients in videos, in group sessions, We talk about how we can't continually think and label foods as good or bad. When we do, we're labeling ourselves as good or bad. And when we create restrictions, we create things that are not sustainable or a life that is not sustainable. I think flexible dieting creates a healthy way to have a sustainable plan that fits into every single person's lifestyle. Goes back to your preferences and what you like to eat. When you don't feel restricted, much easier to sustain. I apologize for what I said about flexible dieting. I accept your apology. Basically, it's a way of dieting that doesn't or shouldn't feel like dieting. So basically you have a budget and you just have to eat within your budget. Yeah. Whatever, you have a macro, you, you have a macronutrient budget, carbs, fats, and proteins. If you're eating within that budget and you're in a calorie deficit, you are going to be successful with your body composition changes. Next up on the list, carb cycling. Now, carb cycling, is this what Lance Armstrong did? <laughs> right. I mean, it is. Is it just literally one day you eat a lot of carbs, one day you don't eat a lot of carbs? I can only imagine that is really something for athletic endeavors, right? For the average person, why would you do that? That seems like you're so overcomplicating things. I do follow a few fitness influencers who talk a lot about carb cycling. I can tell you that I don't think carb cycling is for anyone other than people who participate in high intense activities. And that is not me. That does not describe me. I don't participate in intense activity or I'm not what you would consider an athlete. So I don't participate in carb cycling. I feel like I did participate in carb cycling unintentionally when the before me, the me that was trying to go keto and I would restrict carbs for three days and then I would hate myself and then I would eat a load of carbs the next on day four. Mm -hmm. That was carb cycling unintentionally. That's probably what most people do that do keto. And it 
it was very unsuccessful. It's a diet where you alternate carb intake, sometimes high carb intake, sometimes low carb intake, and you just alternate it. You want that high intake because carb cycling is all about building energy. It's about eating carb-rich foods at the right time to provide you just enough energy to do the activity at your peak performance. So if you are an athlete, carb cycling is great to get you to your peak performance. This is why people do a carb load before they run a marathon Mm -hmm. or carb load before they do a sporting event. That is not me. I don't do those things. Make sure glycogen's all topped off. Pretty much. So you have all the energy you need to expend. My average client has no need for carb cycling. I would say 99% of all human beings that have ever lived probably don't. (laughs) It's for athletes. It's It's an athletic. So you were right about Lance Armstrong, carbs and cycling. That's definitely all it took. Next word, mindful eating. This means using all of your physical and emotional senses to fully experience the food that you're eating. It's basically the opposite of fog eating. In my course, I teach us to name different types of eating and fog eating is one of them. And you might be familiar with fog eating because if you've ever binged your favorite Netflix show and you end up elbow deep in a bag of Doritos and you don't remember eating those Doritos, that is fog eating. You are distracted while you're eating. The opposite of fog eating is mindful eating, non-distracted eating. In other words, you're using all of your senses to be present in the moment. You're looking at your food, you're smelling your food, you're touching and tasting the food. So all of the things, I'm not sure that you're hearing your food. I'd hope your food's not mooing at you still. But let's, let's dig into that real quick. What you're not saying with that is you can only eat chicken breast and broccoli to be mindfully eating. You can have a slice of cake. I mean, you can. You're going into it. I'm going to eat a slice of cake. I'm really going to enjoy the slice of cake. And I call eating cake fun eating. So I would label that as fun eating, but you can be mindful yeah, whatever exactly. type of eating you do. So you were right. You could be mindful when you are eating cake and you want to be mindful because if you're not mindful while you're eating that slice of cake or piece of cheesecake or whatever it is, your favorite thing. You don't you, even realize you date it. Right? You won't it's, have the pleasure pleasure experience, the full pleasure experience out of it, and then you might actually crave more of it. It's the standing in the pantry, eating out of a bag of chips, deciding if you want to eat chips for a snack. (laughs) I've been there. I've done that. Everyone has. I've done it. (laughs) But that's exactly what, what it is. It's you're eating and not even thinking about it. To be more intentional, we really have got to put down our devices. To mindful eat, It's putting down the device and the device is a television, your cell phone in your hand. If you're scrolling the TikToks while you're trying to eat your pad thai, that's not mindful eating. If you're the person who at work, you like to work through your lunches, get work done while you're eating lunch, that's not mindful eating. You need to remove yourself from your laptop. You need to go sit at a table designated space for eating. Give your attention to your food. Listen to your body while you eat it. What I mean by listen to your body is first Ask yourself, am I hungry in the first place? Is this physical hunger? Mm -hmm. Is this emotional hunger? Or am I bored? Am I bored? If it's physical hunger, great. Go for it. Dig in. Make sure you're there for the pleasure and the experience of the food. And then while you're slowly eating it, because that's part of mindful eating is eating slowly, downing the food in 3.5 minutes, that's not mindful eating. You want to take your time. You want to listen to your body's cues on, am I full? Am I starting to feel full? That is mindful eating. That is something that I for sure did not practice mindful eating when I was 
at my heaviest. I can tell you that I purposely, when I make lunch, do you notice that when I make lunch, even on work days, I will go sit at the table with my lunch? You do. I've never thought about I it. I always sit at the table <laughs> at, and eat my... <laughs> do you notice what I do? What do I do? <laughs> you stand up and eat. I do stand up and eat or I sit at my desk and eat. Yes, you do. I don't on a weekday. Every weekday, I, I do eat not my lunch sit at, the, at table the table and eat lunch without my screen. And I appreciate my lunch. It's almost lunch appreciation time is what it is. And yeah. I love it. I've never thought about it like that before. How come you're just now calling me out about this? It was an appropriate time <laughs> to call you out during the podcast. So, well, the other day during the Christmas break was the first time I think because I did, I was doing the walk over the pantry and like look for a snack. And you said something to me, and I don't remember what it was, but it snapped me out of it for a second. And I remember saying to you, I'm not really hungry. I'm just bored. Yes, you did say that to me. And I walked away. That was a weird, that was a weird moment for me to have like just now that I was just standing there and I was going to You were searching for something, but you were emotionally searching for something. You weren't deep down in my soul. Deeply physically wanting food. I wanted Funyuns. (laughs) Did you? No. (laughs) Funyuns are good, but- not that good. Next up, gut health. It's a biggie. The that's, gut health. There's so many people dedicated their entire page on Instagram and TikTok to gut health. I see it constantly. But again, this is my algorithm, probably not your algorithm. I don't think not. too many people are showing up on your Instagram with uh, talking about gut health. No, that's, that's a fact. I feel like it's just a very fashionable thing right it's now. It's real. I'm not saying it's not real. It takes me back to biology. I taught biology for a few years, not too long, but you have microbiome in your digestive system. Your gut biome plays a role in how healthy your digestion is and how healthy your metabolism is. There's like a hundred million trillion microbes. I don't know how many in your body. That's where the bacteria is. If your gut's healthy, then you're not going to have gastrointestinal symptoms or problems like abdominal pain or diarrhea or inflammation or bloat or excessive gassiness. So balance. Balance is key to have gut health. How do we make sure we have gut health? That's clean eating. I mean, yeah, back to back to square one, clean eating, right? For real. We have to make sure that we we balance our good bacteria with our bad bacteria in our gut. It's why people take probiotics. It's the beneficial microbes in the probiotics that support the good bacteria that you already have. It's why people drink kombucha. It's fermented foods. So that's going to help your gut health. It also is why we should eat high fiber food. That can help. And drink water. That can help your gut health. Back to what the very first word was clean eating. It's minimally processed, whole foods, rich in fiber with water. The next word is really a set of words. It's three of them. I kind of combined them all together. It's hypertrophy, progressive load, and muscle confusion. So let's start with hypertrophy. That's when your muscle grows. Pretty much. That's it. Yeah. That's actually a a scientific term. That's not fluff. That's a textbook term. We'll be right back. Hey, quick question for you. Are you someone who wants to be fit, healthy, and happy? And what if I told you you could get your dream body by simply just listening to a podcast? I'm Josh. And I'm KG. And we are the hosts of the Fit, Healthy, and Happy podcast. Listen, we get it. Fitness isn't easy. Carbs, no carbs. Just stop, okay? It doesn't have to be that complicated. And that's why we made this podcast. We get straight to the facts so you can become your best you. So the way to check us out is click the link in the show notes or search Fit, Healthy, and Happy podcast on any of the major podcast platforms. We'll see you soon. 
It is. And if we break it down, hyper means above and beyond. It means to be excessive and trophy means to develop. Look good. No. <laughs> no, trophy. Trophy does not mean to look good. Well, that's <laughs> I what mean, you want. I mean. You do curls for the girls. It's true. Thank you for doing curls for the girls. <laughs> I don't do enough. <laughs> so hypertrophy is development of your muscle going above and beyond. It's thickening of your muscle fibers. And we do that by using progressive load. So that's our next word, progressive load. And what does that mean? It just means exactly what it sounds like. Progressing with the tension or the intensity of your muscle training. And how do we increase our intensity in muscle training? We can do that by increasing the weights that we use. Too many times I see women at the gym. I see it all the time. It drives me nuts. I really want to walk up to them and say, lady, put that 10 pound down and pick up the 15. But Casey, She can do it. But Casey, won't and, that make her bulky? Oh my gosh. <laughs> Don't get me started on that. <laughs> if it was only that easy. Uh, if it was... It, Listen, I know this audience is mostly women. If it was just that easy to get bulky, every dude walking around would not have a shirt on, would look like Brad Pitt in Fight Club. Like, <laughs> it's 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 way harder than It is. That. It's hard to look bulky. I mean, nobody, you're right. Women are not using the weights that they could use. Now, I do want to mention, and I have to, I have to say this, I, yes, if possibly she the woman that I see across the gym using the 10 pound weight maybe she has tennis elbow and she has a, a hurt joint and maybe she's doing it for safety reasons and I need to mind my own business and I do I do mind my own business I don't go over and say anything to anybody I just we just judge in quiet I yeah I judge her <laughs> quietly from across the room <laughs> but, but if if but you're safety, speaking the truth you if, know you if know what safety the is not a concern if your form is not a concern, if you can keep good form and be safe, then, and you can pick up a heavier weight, pick up the heavier weight. If you can, if you can still eke out eight to 10 reps, do it, pick up the heavier weight, see what happens over time. Watch yourself grow muscle. And I'll say it again and again, grow muscle because why? Because you can eat more calories when you grow muscle, period. But beyond that, it's always good to have strength. For sure. Longevity. Isn't that the... I'm we'll do gonna, a whole podcast on that one. Yeah. There's there's a whole... It's like the number one predictor of longevity or something. Anyway. Getting up off on. the floor is the number one predictor of longevity, just so you know. Well, why do you think you can get <laughs> off the floor when you're 80? Because you have strength. True. Or maybe mobility. I don't know. Another way we can increase load is increasing time under tension. And you do that through increasing your sets or reps. So if you're not going to increase your weight size, then increase your sets or your reps. So that would be perfect advice for a person who maybe has an at-home type setup? Correct. And, and they you, don't have, they have, this is what I have. And that's, yes. I'm not buying anything else right they now. They only have the 10-pound weight, yes. Then go slower. Go slower. Slower on your concentric and eccentric moves, yes. Shortening and lengthening of the muscle, then yes, you're going to have more time under tension and you are going to increase the intensity, which increases your load, which will give you hypertrophy, muscle growth. Next word as a part of this group is muscle confusion. You can, <laughs> I, go ahead. I feel like I saw something very recently on a subreddit or maybe I was reading comments where they, someone brought that up in the internet kind of collectively ganged up on that person. Isn't that just, it's a lot of hooey <laughs> muscle confusion. Yes. 
Okay, so I have a question for you if you think it's hooey. When you do a brand new workout that you haven't done for a while or a new type of exercise, do you feel it? Yes, but does that necessarily mean you're eliciting... I'm not claiming to be right or wrong here. I I just don't know. Maybe it's the terminology that I'm getting hung up on. I think the way... The way I would define muscle confusion is stimulating your muscles differently so that you get a different response from them. If you get on an elliptical for the very first time, January 1, and you haven't done an elliptical in a decade, you're going to feel the effects of getting on that elliptical. Now, say you get on that elliptical every single day and it's January 30th, you're not going to feel it because... You've adapted. You've adapted. Right. Your muscles have adapted. Muscle adaptation. Now, let's say, correct. So now let's say you move from the elliptical and you get on a treadmill and you decide you're going to start running instead of doing an elliptical. It's going to be hard. There's going to be some carryover. There is a little carryover and maybe you're ready for running on a treadmill. Maybe you're not. Doesn't matter. You're going to stimulate your muscles differently and you're going to have a different response from your muscles, that is what is referred to as muscle confusion. I don't know. Like, I have a, I have a problem with chain... Okay, let me preface this by saying, I don't know what I... I don't know anything. I have no degree. <laughs> I have no... You have... I, here's what you have. I have bro this science. Is, in, you I'm, have bro science, and you have experience. What I go back to is thinking, do I think Olympic weightlifter, they're going to do a bunch of wild, different stuff every time. They're no, going, I don't think an Olympic weightlifter is going to do But they're going that. in and they're doing the same movement over and over, progr- progressive load. Yes. They're doing it perfectly and they're still pushing themselves to get an adaptation. They're not- They're getting an adaptation differently through progressive load. Muscle confusion, I think, is more about just doing something completely different in order to- basically stimulate a different muscle that you have not been working. See, I feel like muscle confusion and what that really is, is probably better for a person's mental state because it's a new activity that maybe if some, if your routine is when it's boring, new, it gets exciting, right? Yeah. Let's end with Fitspo. Fitspo is new to me. I've seen it a lot lately, especially in hashtags. It's not new, but it's new to me. It's a combination of fitness and inspiration, basically inspiring individuals to have healthy habits. And the word originated, I looked it up, around 2013, and it was a response to a social media trend happening with the hashtag thinspo, like thinspiration, right? Okay, okay. Meaning you had to be thin and skinny to be inspiring. And so I'm I'm proud. I'm proud that it morphed from thinspo to fitspo because I think the whole strong is the new skinny is is great. I think that's a good message to send. I think guys like a sturdy woman. <laughs> you like a solid woman, huh? Uh, she can help me move a couch. Like whatever that Joe Rogan clip. Is. The the problem, there is a problem though. The problem with fitspo is that when I see it, it's typically, and, and I fall in this category, it's when we're comparing ourselves to others with those perfectly sculpted bodies on Instagram. I see it all the time in the comments. She's my fitspo. He's my fitspo. Like people are each other's fitspirations. I think sometimes comparing yourself to other is not a good game to get into. And I don't want it to become, I don't want fitspo to become this new body image standard 
that is impossible to achieve. Yeah, exactly. Especially if you're comparing yourself to someone on Instagram. This would might this might be a great idea for you to do. What's that? Would be to show people like how easy it is to maybe not manipulate. Oh, I see these but, all the time. To show a photo of, of uh, you in at bad one angle. lighting. Yeah. And then show <laughs> and then show it like I've with, done a video like that. I'm pretty sure I did a video where I bent over and showed all my cellulite. <laughs> People loved that video. <laughs> you scroll through my Instagram, you'll find it. Okay. <laughs> it's there. And I see what you're saying, but, but yes, yeah, you're right. There you, are, there's good angles. There's, I know my good angles. I know my bad angles. Yeah. It is what it is. Everyone has them. I don't use the hashtag Fitspo and I kind of really don't use the word. I hope you found some nuggets of wisdom in the words that we were breaking down for you, what they mean, what they don't mean. Maybe you'll find your own definition in what they mean to you. Thank you for joining us on another episode of Transform Yourself. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button, leave a review, share the love. Until next time, keep shining, keep smiling, and keep transforming yourself. Adios.